0: Welcome, one and all, to episode 116 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. We are here live from Castle Wolfenstein. My name is Patsy the Angry Nerd, and uh, I'm podcasting without headphones as opposed to without pants like I usually do. Uh, Joining me, as always, the co-hostess with the mostest, trying that out. Let me know if you like that. Email me if you think it's good. Uh, Ashes Von Nightmare, the mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of wine, and she is currently eating a cotton candy Huawei top that I got from the bank.
1: So, do you have something else you'd like to say to them?
0: <laughs> Swords. <laughs>
1: I can swing my sword. (laughs) No, but just think about it. What what day?
0: Oh right, when this comes out. uh, What day today is is our fifth anniversary of the matrimonial apocalypse that happened? It is our ninth anniversary. We are now going into our tenth year of being. Us our, our, our at tenth, the same time. Tenth
1: year of toleration.
0: Yes, I forgot that this aired because we record so far in the future. I forgot what day it aired, but I'm I'm surprised I forgot because the predator comes out tomorrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> swords, swords coming out of my eyes right now. Swords
0: Ugh. stabbing me with the swords. swords. Uh. Not celebrating an annivers- a wedding anniversary with me uh, is our producer, the legendary name in podcasting, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. I see your sword is as big as mine. <laughs> now let's see how you handle it. May
1: the swords be with you.
0: <laughs> yes, for those of you who tuned in last week, you will get that repeated <laughs> reference that we are hammering into the ground so,
1: <coughs> me fail English? That's impossible.
0: So today, uh, because it is our uh, anniversary, and we're going to be talking, we're going to be talking all about a ruthless, uh, unstoppable, for the most part, uh, killing machine. Me. Or uh, the Yautja, if you are unfamiliar with that, uh, that is the species name for the Predator. Now we are very excited because we spent all of Labor Day weekend binging all five Predator movies, if you count the Alien versus Predator films, which I do because there are predators in them. Ashes had such a fun time didn't you
1: I can't believe that you forgot that this episode was gonna air on our anniversary I
0: was thinking about swords
1: I can't believe you you who remember every freaking thing ever I can't believe you
0: for the record I've been sick for the past week Don't give me that look. Death glare. You're not getting out of this, Patsy. Death glare. It doesn't matter what happened. You're yeah, not but I remembered without too many prompts. <laughs> <laughs> I should have written it down <laughs> in my notebook. Without too many prompts. You know, I did. I even mentioned it to someone earlier today. <laughs> like, well, we have an episode coming out on our anniversary, and it's the Predator episode. There better be copious amounts of wine. Oh home. no, there's going to be a ton of, like, We're going to the vineyard Like well, you No, I mean after this episode <laughs> out, out in the world or listening to this today We're probably sitting at the vineyard Tasting wines Mhm. Mm-hmm. You sounded mm-hmm. like an angry Muppet
1: Oh, you're just digging yourself a nice big hole But
0: you like Muppets
1: You sound like an angry Muppet <laughs> I forgot this was airing on our anniversary
0: <laughs> To be fair we're not recording I'm this on our plenty anniversary. I'm you opportunities
1: to say nice to be things fair, to me right I now. I haven't and missed you're just our anniversary.
0: I don't forget our anniversary because either. We go
1: on vacation every year yeah, for our once anniversary. Once we're on
0: vacation, I forget And what who books day it the is.
1: anniversary vacation?
0: Both of me. us. Both of us. You did this year. I did last year. So today... Instead of talking about our anniversary anymore, anyways, we're going to be talking about the Predator. See, you're giving me that look, and like that's the look the Predator gives when he shoots like the three little lasers at people and then shoots plasma shots at their head and blows them up. Yeah. Don't give me that look. She's still giving me that look. I know you can't see it because this is radio. She's staring swords into your eyes. She is. She's I they're not even daggers, they're swords. Hmm. This is okay. awkward. So <laughs> uh I guess I'll I'll get things started off here. So <clears throat> as we saw watching these films. Um, there was, um, and we see this in in a lot of horror movies, a lot of sci-fi sequels, uh, as well, especially action films. If a script isn't that good, or, you know, you're really just going for sensationalism over content, you try to up the body count. In our discussion today, our getting into character discussion to start off is, does an increased body count really improve the quality of a film? And uh, I have a couple of examples that I w- I want to use. But Ashes, what are your thoughts on that?
1: So uh, I, I have mixed feelings about <laughs> body counts in f- in films. Um, if you're killing f- just for the sake of killing. I think it takes away from the feel of the film. I think it takes away from the quality of the film. However, if you're killing with a purpose, like in the Predator movies, and I, I you know, seeing as we're talking about the Predator, I'll use the Predator movies for an example. In the first couple of movies, there really aren't a lot of kills. Like There isn't a massive amount, uh, a, a large body count. Yeah. But in the second was it alien versus predator requiem is yes. that what it's called like they annihilate an entire freaking town and i just felt like it was overkill like it, you know it, it was it was too much it was too much throughout the, the film it was too much in the end um the only time i really feel like a large body count is necessary is if you are doing a war movie or if you're talking about something, you know, historical that actually happened and you're trying to show that, you know, what history books say and stuff, you're trying to portray something realistic. I think in that in that aspect, like yes, yes, have a large body count. But I feel like if you're just... Killing for the sake of having dead bodies everywhere, you know, just for this this effect. I think it kind of takes away, kind of like slasher films. Yeah, I love a good slasher flick. I really do. Like, I love the Friday the Thirteenth series, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween.
0: Saw.
1: Um, you know, I love. Well, Saw is kind of different though. But I'm just talking about you know, like one person you know going through and killing a bunch of people. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like if the body counts were higher in those movies, it would lose that effect. That kind of... That, that impact that it has of, of watching somebody get ripped to shreds. And I feel that, you know, especially in the first couple of, of Predator movies, um, especially in the first one where you have a limited amount of cast available
0: I mean, to if dispose you, of. If you count, you know, all the... the... The gorillas and the, you know, the guys in the, oh, but that served yeah. a purpose.
1: Right. That it, it aided the story.
0: Right. It, it set up how good these guys are at what they do, which then showed how good the Predator was.
1: Right. It's, it's one of those, you know, it helped the story with very little storytelling. Right. It's like, okay, these guys are really good. You know, it shows you in one scene versus having to do all of this, like, expose.
0: Yeah, these six guys against an entire militia group.
1: But I just feel that sometimes it's just too much. You know, sometimes it's like, again, I'm going to use Alien versus Predator Requiem, where you have the aliens are all over the place and they're killing people And you have the Predator, who I really... And we'll get into the design concept and stuff of the Predator. I really enjoyed the concept of this Predator. Um,
0: His name was Wolf.
1: But, uh, you know, you had him killing people as well, because that's what he does, even though he was after the the aliens. It was supposed
0: to be a clandestine mission.
1: So, you know, I just... It just kind of got... I don't know. it, It was just... It got old. It got really old really quickly. And um, I ju- it just kind of lost its effect. Well, the, versus, you know, the the predator hunting in the first film. That was just so cool.
0: Yeah, each death was impactful. It was meaningful. You had attachment to the characters. When you're just running around killing faceless drones all willy-nilly, it doesn't really matter to you. Right. So the thing that I, I was talking about when we first decided to discuss this specific topic is uh, the difference between Rambo 1 and Rambo 2. So you have first, or first Blood and First Blood Part 2. In First Blood, Rambo doesn't directly kill anyone. Yes, there is one death, but it's because he throws a rock at the helicopter and the guy falls out of the helicopter because the guy was shooting at him. You know, but he sets up all these elaborate traps to incapacitate people. You know, and he even says to Brian Dennehy, he's like, listen, I could have killed you. I could have killed all of them. Just let, let it go. Just leave me alone. He doesn't kill anybody. And that's easily the best film in this quadrilogy. Rambo 2 is very good, but Rambo 2 sees him going through and killing... I think the body count's like 72 for that, for that film. Going into the movie, Rambo had something like 39 confirmed kills. So throughout the entire Vietnam War, Rambo has 39 confirmed kills, but on a long weekend, he kills 72 people? Like, that's where, where you are. Like, it's... Over... It, it's, it's overkill, for lack of a better word. Right. Uh, it's, it's pointless violence, and it's like yes, is it entertaining to watch? Sure, when Rambo's mowing people down with, you know, rocket launchers and Gatling guns, and he's standing there getting shot at while he, you know, knocks a, 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 a an arrow, an explosive arrow, and then shoots the guy in the chest and explodes him after he kills his girlfriend. Yeah, okay, that's that's a satisfying thing, but. That character we actually had some connection with, like all these other guys, like, you know, it was just gratuitous violence for the sake of gratuitous violence. And I feel like while it had a part in the story of Alien vs. Predator... And there were a couple of kills that actually meant something, you know, like when the blonde girl got cut in half by well, the. Well,
1: yeah, when you actually put a name <clears throat> to a character, like and she it wasn't means doing something. anything.
0: Like she didn't get ambushed by an alien. She was just running down a hallway, escaping.
1: Right. It was just kind of wrong. Place, out of wrong nowhere.
0: Time. Yeah. Right.
1: You know, but I'm talking about like all of these faceless, nameless characters you know like a stab in the back or you know blood for the sake of blood like you know like the little kid
0: and his dad running around in the woods getting attacked by the face huggers and then you have the you know just the hundreds of townspeople just getting overwhelmed at the hospital like yeah it kind of showed some interesting new traits of this predator like impregnating three or four embryos at a time into pregnant women
1: well that's the alien yeah yeah
0: but I'm just saying, like that's, you know, part of like the the random killing, like.
1: Which is, when just, it gets to the point where I'm just so over it that like I'm I'm looking for the cat or I'm and, like, pulling guys, out my phone because I'm just kind of so bored with it. And like, the people
0: that you knew were going to get killed, it's like. Oh, these well, guys are uh, asshole right. bullies. Well, not yep, only that, like they would just
1: introduce a character and you know wouldn't give a character a name, but you know introduce a character just to kill it. Yeah, you know, like it's uh, you don't care. It's Like I just met this character five minutes ago, and I didn't even meet this character because I don't know this character's name. You know that if it's just you know just for like a, a, a split second potential gratuitous scene like I I just i I and they tried
0: to shoehorn too many characters in so you can't have that
1: right versus you know again I'll just use the the first film you know you really start to get a feel for these characters you kind of start to care about these characters you know on the helicopter ride over you know, when they're having their, the interactions with each other, the yeah, cargo, you, know, you got, you got hold. Um,
0: yeah. You got Dutch and, and Billy and, and Dylan and Hawkins and Poncho and, and Blaine and Mac.
1: Right. Like Hawkins trying to land a joke
0: and, and he even kept
1: trying to land a joke. And you, you find yourself kind of rooting for him. You're like, Oh, I really hope, you know, he's, kind of nerdy and kind of quirky and i kind of hope he lands a joke and then he's and the first one to die even you feel for him
0: and even mac like he doesn't say or do anything he's just sitting there shaving which we then see him do later on mm-hmm. and we realize like this guy's really tense he's on edge and that's why he's doing this like this is his way of coping with the stress of it's being yeah about it's like to his go on tick. a mission yeah yeah
1: um you know so you you it, there's not a lot of character development, but they do enough to get you invested enough in these characters. So when these characters are killed off, and and the way that they're killed off, you feel something for it. Yeah, Versus you know, in some of these other films, it's just massive body. Ca- it's just it, well, it, even it, it's it's just flesh. Like, even look
0: at uh, Predator Two. So you have. Uh, Bill Paxton, and you have um, I don't remember all the the actors, but you have Anna, you have Danny, and you have Mike Hartigan. Those are really, like, your people. And yes, the Predator goes through on, like, a murder spree Mm -hmm. throughout the entire thing, and kills a lot of, you know, nameless, faceless people. But he's doing it around the people that we're supposed to be rooting for right so they are in danger they're in the middle of the conflict as well it's not happening you know somewhere else yeah they kill the 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 jamaican drug lords they kill the 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 cartel guys you know and those are faceless soldiers mm-hmm. but our heroes are in the midst of that confrontation
1: right they're in peril
0: Right. They're they're right. still
1: in peril. They, they're, they're not
0: directly in conflict, but they're on the outer edge. Like they're outside the building while they're all getting killed. Right. And that sets up what this uh predator creature really is. So I would say if done right, increasing a body count can have, you know, a positive effect, but it's not necessary to tell a compelling narrative.
1: I mean Like I said, if you're using it for uh, to tell like a historical story, so I'm going to use the movie Hacksaw Ridge. It's one of the a movie that we recently Mm -hmm. watched. Um, You know, there's a scene where there are bodies all over the place, like dead bodies all over the place. But it's setting up the landscape because it's a freaking battlefield. You know, therefore, it's imperative that these bodies are laid out that way to give you that feel you know like if they weren't there you wouldn't
0: scope to right it adds
1: depth to the surroundings it really puts into perspective what the main characters are dealing with
0: yeah that's a, a a narrative storytelling device to kind of like show you like the insurmountable odds that your hero is up against that they have to triumph over right so yeah you know there's You know, war is brutal, but we're choosing to focus on this one specific guy, but look all around him. Like, it also conveys a sense of hopelessness and, you know, really, like, you know, gives more gravitas to the hero's journey at the end, showing, like, this is how far I've come. This is, you know, I made it when all these other people didn't.
1: Right. And if you think about it, the average person has never physically seen with their own eyes anything like that. So they need that kind of storytelling, you know, just physical mapping out of what's actually going on, you know, versus being able to use their imagination. Yeah, because
0: if you just say, you know, there were hundreds of bodies everywhere, that's one thing. But like when the camera pans over and there's, you know, you know, uh, a... a waist with legs and no top half, but you see the top half, you know, 30 feet away because the guy got hit by some sort of explosive, you know, right. or he jumped on a grenade to sacrifice himself. Seeing it is a lot different than trying to imagine it. Even if it's described in the most vivid of detail, it's different visualizing it than just having someone explain it to you. So. But. I think that was a pretty good opening segment.
1: It was very uh, morbid. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so I think what we'll do, we'll, uh, we'll do a quick break. We'll come back and we'll get into kind of what the Predator is. You know, the history, the lore, the mythology that surrounds it. Because there's a lot more than just these five films. You know, there's a whole huge plethora of mythology. So... Uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back, and uh, let's discuss the outro some more. Trick-or-Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick-or-Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death?
1: Hey, guys, this is James Thomas, director of Megalodon, and you're listening to Throwdown
0: Thursday. Fueled by tacos, beer, and Bloody Marys, the only show featuring baby Jesus with a nail gun, the pride of PA, and the show with the eye of the tiger, ladies and gentlemen, Punch Farm. Hey, this is Mark from Punch Farm. I'm here with Mark Dose. Hello. I'm here with Alicia.
1: Hello. I'm
0: here with Nikki. Hey. Join us every Monday as we talk about life, tacos, beer, and movies. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and punchfarm.com.
1: Keep on punching! (laughs)
0: And we are back So, like we said before the break Today we are discussing the Yautja, Featured in Predator Predator 2 Predators Alien vs. Predator Alien vs. Predator 2 Requiem And the upcoming, coming out tomorrow The Predator Now, to touch quickly on The Predator I'm very excited for this film
1: great cast.
0: Yes. Uh, it's a very good cast, and the thing that is uh, most exciting to me is that Shane Black is writing and directing. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Shane Black, uh, you if you've seen the original Predator, he played Hawkins. Uh, he also was uncredited in helping write the script. And the movie was directed by John McKiernan, who also directed Die Hard. But Shane Black also uh, wrote Lethal weapon, and he wrote and directed Iron Man 3, I believe. Yep. Which was definitely the most shame-blackiest of those films. So, if you are unfamiliar, the Yaucha are a species of galaxy-spanning. Uh, for lack of a better word, hunters. They're a hunting species that relies on a very strict hierarchy. Uh, through And you gain prestige and advancement through the hierarchy, through various acts of uh, skill, courage, um, stealth. But there are also uh, other ways to advance in society like there is a class uh towards the top of the hierarchy called the philosophers who study you know obviously the philosophy of why why certain creatures behave the way they do and you know help the hunting class become more efficient at what they do and i'm going to give a quick rundown of the classes in case you are unfamiliar, I know Azures, you are unfamiliar with, with this as well. And yes. I, there's uh, about almost two dozen different classes that I was unfamiliar with. Uh, at the bottom, you have prey. That's fairly obvious. You know, anything that the predators will hunt, the oucha will hunt. Then there's a young blood, which are juveniles who have yet to prove anything. Then you have unblooded, which are we saw these in Alien versus Predator. They are going out there. They've graduated from young blood to unblooded to go out and prove themselves as hunters. And generally, they hunt xenomorphs, you know, or aliens mm-hmm. from the Alien franchise. And then after you kill one, you become blooded. You mark yourself with the blood of your kill. Um, and we see this ritual done in the film. Then there's Warrior, Hunter, Elite, Predator, Elite Predator, Clan Leader. Now, to become a Clan Leader, um, Clan Leaders are... uh, They're explained more in the comics, but in order to become a Clan Leader, you must clean out a Xenomorph hive of at least 300 uh, Xenomorph soldiers... Because there's different classes of xenomorphs. You know, there's the drones, the soldiers, You sa- sort of like bees, mm-hmm. of at least 300 with no more than two other yautja. Wow. Um, as opposed to an elite, which means you must be blooded and killed several dangerous species, uh, such as humans, xenomorphs, or river ghosts. Now, river ghosts, if you are unfamiliar, that's the name given in the third Predator film, Predators, the creature that gets killed towards the end Mm -hmm. uh, that they mistake for a predator. It's actually based on the original design of the creature when Jean-Claude Van Damme had the role. So after Clan Leader is Veteran, then Philosopher, which I touched on a little bit, and Elder, uh, some of the Elders, we see one at the end of Predator 2 and at the end of uh, Alien vs. Predator, the first one. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the High Council, an Ancient, a Celestial Avatar, which I have no idea what the hell that is, and then an Adjudicator. Now, the High Council is a group, it's a clan, and they are, they are the be-all and end-all. They're like the Supreme Court. Whatever they say goes. They settle blood feuds. They... Uh, designate hunting grounds um, and the adjudicator is the leader of is that clan leader Mm -hmm. so the way a high council is chosen is a high council will pick two clans and grant them exclusive hunting rights on a specific planet so if you interfere like if your clan A and Clan B has exclusive hunting rights on a planet, and Clan A goes in there and starts hunting, that's considered uh, uh, like a blasphemy, and you are considered bad blood, and you are, whatever your rank is, you're stripped of it, and you're executed. Now, the reason this is done is sort of like a, a Darwinian survival of the fittest thing. So the High Council sends two clans, says, yep, you each have specific, and neither one of them knows that they have been that the other clan has been given exclusive hunting rights and neither one of them knows that they are in contention to be the next high council so whichever clan wins whoever comes back is the high council because they're clearly the stronger hunters and then you know the high council fills them in on like their duties and responsibilities and once they get too old They step down and pass that on to the next clan, which I found to be fascinating that these aren't just mindless killing machines. Like, obviously, they're an advanced race because they've mastered intergalactic travel, but they have, you know, a hierarchy and a sophisticated government. It's very similar to like a, a, you know, like a Roman government, you Mm -hmm. know, like the, the, the Senate of the of the Romans. So I know you have some interesting notes as well that you found.
1: Well, before I get into that You know, talking about interesting things And like a hierarchy What I find fascinating <clears throat> is their moral code And mm-hmm. I've said that several times throughout the films Not yes. so much the third with The Predators movie I think that one's kind of different than And I don't know if maybe it was because The premise was different it, it, You know, where they were taking people Like almost like kidnapping people and bringing them to this hunting ground where they didn't know they were being hunted. It's not like they volunteered. They didn't put themselves in that situation. They were put in that situation. And I feel like that kind of goes against the Predator's moral code. Yeah, like
0: you're transporting them to your, uh, your home turf as opposed to going after them on their home turf, which is... Like, when they hunt the xenomorphs, um, with the exception of certain, like, unblooded rituals, like we see in Alien vs. Predator, like, they have a specific designated area Mm -hmm. for their hunting. Like, if you're just going out and you're doing a hunt, you're supposed to go to that planet and hunt, like, you have to adapt to that environment. Like, if the gravity's too strong, you have to wear... Less armor because it'll hold you down. You know you have to adapt your hunting techniques, and that's how you advance in the hierarchy is becoming a more efficient hunter. So bringing them to you, sort of, especially the way they do it—just dropping them out of an aircraft—and mm-hmm. maybe your chute opens, but even yeah, if it doesn't, they're you're going unconscious,
1: to be injured. unconsciously being dropped out of an aircraft carrier and hoping that an aircraft well yeah air air spaceship spaceship
0: well oh, you said aircraft carrier S- spaceship It is a boat
1: what uh, <laughs> okay whatever whatever
0: some sort uh, of so anyway
1: they were dropped out of the sky and they were unconscious. Like, I just feel like that kind of goes against their mor- moral code, or at least what we've learned of their moral co- code so far in the, in the films. You know, they don't hunt those who aren't hunters themselves. If you are not armed, you are not prey.
0: Right. These because
1: are... it's, you're not a worthy opponent.
0: Right, there's no honor in killing an unarmed opponent. Right, unless it's self-defense, like we see in Alien versus Predator, when uh, Lance Henriksen's uh, Wayland uses a flare and his oxygen to set the predator aflame.
1: Right, but you know, at that point, he had an encounter with the predator. The predator saw that not only was this Person unarmed, but he was also sickly, old, and frail, def- riddled with cancer. Fe- yeah, defenseless. You know, almost like the epitome of defenseless, or you would think so, anyways. <clears throat> and did not proceed to attack this person.
0: It would be like Schwarzenegger fighting a toddler,
1: <laughs> you know, or like in the second movie where Pre- uh, Predator Two, where um, God, I forget her name, Anna, Anna. Was, no, Anna was
0: from the first one.
1: No, I, I forget her name, but anyways. Um, the really pretty girl with the short hair. She was trying to protect the people on the subway, trying to get them to safety, not knowing what this creature was. She was armed. The predator caught her, picked her up by her throat. Leona. And then, you know, when doing the the scans that the predators do... Saw that she was with child and let her go.
0: Yeah, he incapacitated her, but didn't injure her. Right, because killing of an unborn. So the the types of predator that we see in the uh, third Predators film, the ones these would be bad blood, which is predators who have broken the honor code. Uh, That was delved into more in the comics than the movies, obviously, because in the movies we focus more on the human protagonists. Uh, But we see one of them is uh, a class called a tracker. So we see two of them. We see the dog handler and the falconer. You know, it's got like that drone shaped like a bird that's kind of spying on their prey after setting the dogs out. Um, What's interesting... Is what we see in Predator Two, as well as Alien versus Predator, that you know we see Mike Hardigan defeat a predator one on one. Yeah, and then a group of predators, uh, including uh, there was what's called a Borg, an elder slash Greyback, you know, sort of like a silverback gorilla. Uh, <clears throat> a predator hound a shaman uh, those are all some of the different predators that we saw in the group on the ship and he is gifted a weapon for defeating the uh, the predator the city hunters what they call it and he's given a gun from 1715 it's uh, Raphael Adelini I believe is the name on it And there's a bit of lore behind that because predators will occasionally take on an apprentice which are humans or other species that the predators deem worthy. And Rudolf Adelini is one of those. Like he enlisted the aid of predators and fought alongside them to stop a mutiny. Uh, Another notable um, apprentice is a woman named Machiko Noguchi Who was befriended and accepted by a clan leader After repeated clashes with a predator clan She repeatedly defeated and killed predators So after a while they were like Hey, let's, you can be one of us You can be a part of our clan I feel like Dutch Schaefer Should have been added to that group But this is long before any of that mythology came along Yeah Um, Judge Schaefer. I believe Ellen Ripley would be one of those because she's defeated so many of the Xenomorphs. Correct, yeah. So I think there are several crossovers between... We'll get into that after. Now, when you were watching some of these films for the first time, Mm -hmm. like, you had seen Predator 1 and 2, but, like, you were kind of hazy on your recollection because it had been a while and you kind of fell asleep... Um, as you watch the movies progress, you had a very specific order that you put them in as far as how you like them. Yes. Um, would you care to elaborate on that a little bit?
1: So the, like I said, we, we watched Predator, Predator 2, Predators, the 2010 movie, uh, Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator 2 Requiem. Yeah, we watched and them in order
0: of theatrical release.
1: Yes. Um, no. We, well, watched, the Predator, we watched the Predator films yes, in order, and yes. then we
0: supplemented them with Alien so, vs. Predator.
1: Um, I ranked them as Predator number one, uh, Predators, the 2010 movie, as uh, number two, Alien versus Predator in the third spot. Uh, Predator 2 in the fourth spot. And then the second Alien versus Predator. AVPR. And my reasoning behind that is obviously the first one, that's where you meet the character of the Predator. That's where you... And what I love is for the majority of the film, you're not even seeing the Predator. He's in his camouflage state.
0: Yeah, you're seeing a lot of the aftermath of his carnage. I compare it a lot to Jaws.
1: Yes. And it's so effective because you learn so much about this character without even seeing this character. And when you do finally see this character, it's just like, oh man, that's so cool. Like, And we'll get into the design aspects in a little bit. Yeah. But It's just so incredibly cool and so effective. And finally, when you get to the end of that movie, it's that the the one on one between Arnold and the Predator. I just think that it's one of the greatest scenes where Arnold is just all like muddied up and he doesn't have any weapons anymore. Like, he, he's just, just one-on-one, and the Predator... He's got, like,
0: homemade Boy Scout weapons.
1: Right, but he doesn't have anything, like, really tactical. And the Predator removes his weaponry to be on an even keel with with Arnold, and I just thought, wow, that, that is so cool. That says so much for this character, because, I mean, the Predator could have killed him right then and there, but where's the honor in that? Right. Where's the honor in that? So knowing that it would be an even, well, not an even fight, but, you know, to make it even, to fight hand-to-hand combat, you know, I just thought that scene was, was that's probably my favorite scene of the entire <clears throat> film. Um, but anyway, so that's why I, you know, it's the first one, it establishes everything, that's why I ranked that one the first. Um I really enjoyed the concept of predators uh although it goes against what we learn of the predators as as you know the the moral code and the characters and whatnot. I really thought that the story of having a bunch of random people and you learn that they're not real they're they're great hunters, and that's what they are they are hunters in their own right they're predators
0: that's right what you know that's what um
1: Adrian Brody's character.
0: No, that's what the, the girl said. Oh
1: right, right. Um you know when when they're figuring out why they were chosen and stuff. Um yeah, they were chosen because they too were predators, they were snipers, they were you know
0: uh They weren't good people, they were combatants. You know, you got Danny Trejo, you got um what's his name there? Um uh, the Russian guy. You know, and they all had their weaponry like their specific uh weapon of choice that they brought with them right except for walton goggins all he had was a shiv
1: oh topher grace had nothing
0: he had the uh scalpel covered in paralytic toxin
1: that's true He and
0: he also had trust
1: yeah yeah that's a big one that'll get you killed um, but anyways, I like the I like the premise of that one. I like the story of that uh, film, and I really liked the interactions between the different predators in that film. So not only did you have the original predator, but you also had these other predators, where you kind of get to see this different hierarchy and the different breeds of predators.
0: And even you know, I love the way Lawrence Fishburne kind of explains it, like the difference between dogs and wolves. Yes, like a you know a a, a Rottweiler or a, a Doberman Pinscher or a German Shepherd can be a vicious attack dog, but it's nothing compared to a timber wolf. Right. So,
1: <clears throat> and you got to see a little more of the Predator lore,
0: yeah, you... in that
1: film as well. And then going into the next, uh, so I, that's why I ranked Alien versus Predator so high because I really enjoyed the backstory that you got, the lore that you got between the Predator and the Xenomorph, and not uh, the way that the Predators have been interacting with the human race for centuries
0: yeah because you get the you know like oh wow you know in predator 2 and again like predators gives you that sharp 90 degree turn from like i thought these were honorable creatures that you know come down and yeah they use camouflage but they're hunting in our environment you know with their weapons like this isn't their natural habitat but you know it's their best against our best, and let's see what happens. And you get to see the honor, like, you know, he won't kill someone that's unarmed, he won't kill a pregnant woman, he didn't shoot the little kid, even though the kid was holding a toy gun, he was able to differentiate the difference between a toy gun and a real gun. You know, what was a threat, what wasn't. And then you see this, where it's like they're... Where everything else, they kill it and take trophies, they're kind of just like tormenting this other predator. Like, he's just kind of strung up, you know, immobile. And then you get to Alien versus Predator. But, it, and like you're saying, like, you see how long this influence has been going on, how they influence culture all over the world. You know, it's like this pyramid that they find in Antarctica. It's like, well, it's part Egyptian, part Cambodian, part, you know, Mayan, like, or Aztec. I forget what they said. I
1: think it's Aztec
0: like the combination of these three cultures that there's no way that these three cultures were together at the time that this pyramid was built, you know, because it's under 2000 feet of ice. Right. You know, and we get to see if you blink, you'll miss it. But in predators, they have like a bunch of skulls together. And one of the skulls is clearly from, an early hominid you know like a neanderthal right next to a modern day human skull so that means they've been coming to earth and hunting for thousands and thousands of years but in predator 2 you almost see what look like dinosaur skulls and they also threw in the easter egg of a xenomorph skull which kind of set off this whole uh that's really what put the comics into motion too uh, is seeing the xenomorph skull among the trophies in uh the 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 predator ship, but yeah, like they've been they're thousands of years advanced
1: okay, so I just had a thought, I just kind of made a potential connection, so this the predator species they are so far evolved so far advanced right. And when they get bested, what they do is they go and they evolve more. They evolve their technology. What can we do to make ourselves better? How can we improve our equipment? Maybe they were running out of opponents, right? So they went to other worlds and helped civilizations form and help them evolve so that they could <clears throat> make great opponents for the predators.
0: I think that's part of it. Um,
1: it's like um, we're creating this symbiotic relationship for right now, but really what we're doing is is advancing you and grooming you to be worthy opponents for us.
0: I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking of Alien versus Predator. Uh, I'm thinking more, you know, not quite where you are. Their greatest, their greatest prey, like the thing that they use as the benchmark, are xenomorphs. Like that's what they use to.
1: Right, but the, but they don't always prey on xenomorphs. Right, but no, I understand that that that's like an upper echelon. Like no, no. The, what I'm
0: what I'm saying is, like, if you look at Alien versus Predator, they weren't advancing human civilization to the point. Where they could become a challenge. They were advancing it enough so that they could build these sophisticated structures, you know, through slave labor. Like, you guys build this. We'll show you how to do it. Build it for us. And now you're going to revere us as gods and willingly sacrifice yourself for us to become hosts for these xenomorphs to train our, you know, for lack of a better word, our teenagers like they're not humans are smaller they're they're not as strong they're not as fast they're not as smart so i don't think they're bringing humans along to be like the ultimate because you see how easy one one predator takes out like even in predator 2 when they're specifically you know, they're wearing uh, outfits and they are using weapons specifically designed to combat everything they know about the predator. The predator still shreds through that entire well, team.
1: Right, but predators do get bested by humans. You know, every now and then, a human comes along mm-hmm. that manages to outsmart a predator or, you know. I- but I- the I-
0: score is.
1: Well, right. No, I understand what you're saying. I understand that. But I feel like that they're, they're... I agree with you about being Xeno, you know, a host for Xenomorph Larva. But I also think that they were trying to make us worthy opponents. And every now and then, they get one.
0: I and, think we'll see more of that in this next movie.
1: You know, I I, I don't know. Okay, I'm second-guessing myself right now. No, no,
0: I I know what you're saying. Like, we don't have time to wait for evolution. Let's kind of give you a little nudge in the right direction. But, like, not to the point where...
1: Because, you know, xenomorphs are what they use, but, you know, to... Like, prove themselves. But they also yeah, need to initiation. train. But they also need to train. So wouldn't humans, you know, uh, you know throughout evolution, wouldn't humans make great training opponents?
0: It depends. Because, you know, as we see from predators, they've been hunting humans for thousands of years.
1: Right. Waiting for us
0: to evolve. But they've still been hunting us like... You know is essentially cattle like that's what they're using us for
1: but we're it's almost like we're target practice for them.
0: Yeah like it's we're not target even...
1: practice for the ultimate showdown
0: because one one human even like a super high end killing machine like an Adrian I mean like how long did it take Adrian Brody to take down the one predator and the and he had like a dozen free shots at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and he was hitting it with an axe. And it still took him, you know, 15 minutes to take the thing down with very little in the way of competition, you know. And we've seen interesting uh, outcomes when it comes to – because I want to get into some of these crossovers because you're you're making me think of it now. Okay. Like, how does – dutch in predator managed to defeat the predator he doesn't use any high-tech weapons he doesn't use you know any sophisticated military technology bow and arrow fire you know and a giant log tied up very loosely to a tree In the first Batman versus Predator comic, or yeah, the first one, Batman goes after the Predator over and over and over with all these, you know, what he's known for, these high-tech suits, you know, and every time the Predator kicks the shit out of him, and he just barely manages to escape. Do you know how he wins? He beats the shit out of him with a Louisville Slugger. Are you serious? That's how Batman beats the first, first Predator. Low tech. He's like everything I everything high tech I've tried, they've had an answer to. So I'm just gonna come in using my stealth, my skill, and a fucking bat. Like he just had his classic blue and grey outfit and he wailed on the Predator with a fucking bat.
1: So so he was Batman.
0: He was literally and figuratively Batman. So I mean like that's that's, you know, kind of I mean, that's uh, also, uh, uh, it's their Achilles heel where they're like, we're going to go out for all these, you know, we're going to advance our technology and our tactics, but there's always a tactic or uh, a strategy that you don't cover. Like there's not, you know, like they say in Predators, like they've got to have a weakness. And Lawrence Fishburne, who'd survived for 10 seasons on this, you know, game planet says, you know, not many. Like, they do have them, Mm -hmm. and it turns out, like, you know, most people don't live long enough to figure out what they are. So, um, the the Predator creature design, I know you wanted to get into that. Yes. So, this was, when you come up with something on screen, and I've said this a thousand times, when you come up with something, it's got to be something that, you know, Equals your imagination in terms of sheer, like terror, but it also has to be functional. Like we saw that with the xenomorphs, like these things are terrifying, but because of their body types, they're also very uh, adaptable. Like we see what they can do, like they can crawl on the ceilings or they can crawl through vents. You know, they they can sneak up on you. Why don't you share with us what you have as far as the design of the Predator, because this is an interesting story.
1: Okay. So just in general, Predators are depicted as large, sapient, and sentient humanoid creatures who possess advanced technology, such as active camouflage, directed energy weapons, and interstellar travel. So uh, the Predator's design is credited to special effects artist Dan Winston. So apparently while flying to Japan with Aliens director James Cameron, Winston, who had been hired to design the Predator, was doing concept art on the flight. And Cameron saw what he was drawing and said, I've always wanted to see something with mandibles. And Winston then included them in his designs, which is one of the most iconic features of the Predator.
0: Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Stan Winston, this is a man who has multiple Oscars. For special effects, including films like Terminator 2, Aliens, again with James Cameron, Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park, The Terminator, um, Ghosts, Michael Jackson's Ghosts, which was very interesting. Pumpkinhead, uh, he didn't get credited for it, but The Thing, he created the dog creature for The Thing, But he didn't want credit for it because we talked about this on the McCready episode. He didn't want to overshadow Rob Botton. American Werewolf in London, I believe, is his as well. But he's got enough out there where, you know, he's done other stuff like AI, Pearl Harbor, Galaxy Quest. He did, you know, some makeup and stuff, some prosthetics, interview with the vampire. Uh, So Stan Winston knows his shit. So.
1: Right, and so uh, his studio was hired after attempts to create a convincing monster, including the Jean-Claude de Van Damme uh, concept, River ghost is um, what they
0: call it in the Predators film.
1: Had failed, and apparently the original Predator design um, was designed with a long neck, a dog-like head, and a single eye this design was abandoned when it became apparent that the jungle locations would make shooting the complex design too difficult so they decided to simplify the overall like body design of it while focusing more on the facial features
0: and you know to get back to what I was saying like you know you have these incredible like uh, details on the face but for most of the film we don't see the face we just see the mask. Right,
1: but it's so effective because you see and you're just sitting there wondering, okay, like this can't be like a shell. Like this has to be a mask. Like what is hiding underneath that?
0: And when you first see it, and the way and Kevin Peter Hall played the Predator, and the way he puts his hands, and I'm like miming it, but you can't see it. He like puts both of his hands on the mask. Like one hand almost interlacing its fingers and you know, pulls the mask off after slowly pulling away like the air supply.
1: I love so I love the sound effect that goes along with it well. Like everything is so effective. So you have the sound effect of the oxygen supply. I'm assuming it's oxygen, the air supply. It's whatever Let's gases say, yeah, right. the predator. The breathes. air supply, um, you know, being pulled. So you you hear the decompression. And then, you know, the clicking of the the removal of the mask itself. And then you see...
0: And when he drops the mask, it just thuds. So you get an idea of how heavy this thing is.
1: Right. And then you see this creature in all of its... and, And one of the things that I absolutely love is the fact that not only are... Every piece of armor different for each predator yeah but every facial structure like every uh, detail is different for each predator that is featured well each
0: one tells a story like uh the one in uh probably my favorite predator is actually wolf from alien versus predator that two. is mine as well yeah uh they called him uh See, like a lot of times in the comics, they'll get names like Top Not, you know, based on their appearance. This one was called Wolf because he was likened to the character Winston Wolf from Pulp Fiction. He's like the fixer. He goes in, cleans up the messes, takes care of any trace. So he was sent in to fix this infestation of xenomorphs. Uh, and there's actually a name for the predator alien because at the end of alien versus predator we see a xenomorph embryo burst out of uh, this this predator and it has the you know the normal embryonic stage of the the chest burster but it also has the mandibles so it turns out this was a queen so this thing was able to because as we've seen from other uh, xenomorphs whatever it emerges from whatever the host is it takes on those characteristics so it took on the characteristics you know it had the dreadlocks it had the mandibles it had the flat uh the flattish upper skull of a predator but it also used its uh inner jaw as an ovipositor now in the comics i'm sorry not the comics the games Because the comics and the games get into a lot more of the detail and the the lore and the the cast system. Uh, This thing is, in the movies, it's known as a predalien, because that's just easy. But the Yautja refer to it simply as abomination. Oh, wow. So, because it's this unnatural, like, that should never happen to uh, a Yautja. It should never be... Uh, taken by uh, a Xenomorph. And if it is, you know, that's what they have their self-destruct things for. Which we see in uh, the first Predator. It tries to do it in the second Predator, but Danny Glover stops him. Yeah, um, And we see that it can also remote detonate their craft in Predators. Um, we see that as well in Alien vs. Predator but he has if you look at his face he has uh, clearly he got into a conflict with a xenomorph and got acidic blood all over the side of his face and he's missing two of his mandible teeth mm-hmm. um, so like it's this really cool like scarred like battle test and he's got a bunch of different helmets that he can choose from. I'm guessing based on you know his his uh status in the hierarchy, he would be uh like an elite predator would be my guess. I he never they never really say what he is. Uh but he would be an elite predator because he's not just he's not a clan leader and he's not a uh you know, he's not just a hunter. He's a fixer.
1: But he is very highly respected.
0: Yes, which is why he's got all the different gear that he has and why he's the first one to respond to the distress signal, which is odd that a predator would send out a distress signal unless it knew that by doing a self-destruct, it wasn't guaranteed to contain the infestation of this alien. Or maybe it's like, this is protocol whenever there's an abomination. Because the abomination ripped through everyone else uh, on the ship. And he was the last one. His name was uh, Bull, actually. And so it is unknown. This is from the, the, the script. It's unknown if when he fired his plasma cannon through the hull of the ship, if he was trying to crash the ship intentionally to try and you know kill the the abomination xenomorph or if he was just firing and missed. So that's kind of one of those, like what happened here, Mm -hmm. but I thought that was interesting. So what else about the predators do you find uh, interesting? Like what else have you got uh, for your notes here that you want to talk about?
1: Well, one thing that I want to talk about, and this is something that is so simple, but is so effective. And I think it's one of the most iconic traits of, the predator character is it's blood. Mm-hmm. And so yep. the predator's blood is this glowing green luminescent just pretty much the consistency of human blood. And Seeing that against the dark armor, against the darker skin, like the darker flesh of the Predator, is just so incredibly effective. Because if it was just red blood, it wouldn't show up as well. It
0: seems to coagulate it, it, fairly quickly as well.
1: Well it, well, it does. And I think that they also have things built into their suits to help them repair things quickly. And they also have their own like little sewing kits.
0: Yeah, they have uh, like first, first aid, yeah. Kits. Like
1: they're a version of a first aid kit, because you know, we see to one... tend to their wounds. So, so not only are they, I mean, they're pretty scrappy and they're pretty rugged. So they can take a punch and they can they can bleed out a little bit with, without really feeling anything or having a, a reaction like humans would. You know, you bleed out so much, you start to feel a little bit woozy. You are going to react a little differently. Um, so they. Uh, their blood it's its different but it's so effective and what they actually how they achieved this look in the first movie is by combining the liquid from a glow an activated glow stick with KY jelly and it was so effective that it's still the same effect that they've used through all of the movies and that they're continuing to use through the most the new movie coming out
0: well the the um the The first aid kits, we see how really extensive they are. Uh, they all look very similar. Like, in the first movie, we see, you know, the Predator gets shot. He gets wounded. And that's where we get the iconic, if it bleeds, we can kill it line. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, a clamp that, the, that it uses. And that causes it great pain because it kind of, like, clamps off the artery. Because we have no idea what they're... Their uh, circulatory systems, like you have to imagine, it's similar to ours. But you know, is their heart in the same place? Is you know, where are their lungs? You know,
1: do they even have similar organ types, or is it something completely different? Well, you got to have a heart
0: to pump blood. If you if you bleed, you've got to have a heart that pumps blood.
1: Well, yes, but I'm just talking about the actual makeup of the organs itself. You know,
0: like how dense are the? Is their skeleton
1: how dense? Uh, is the tissue that makes up these organs? Do right. is, is it tissue that makes up these organs? Well, I mean, uh, clearly you know, there's there's a, there's a lot of questions.
0: Well, clearly they've got soft guts parts because we see that repeatedly. You know, they get shot in it, they get stabbed in it. We see exit wounds, so. We know they have soft parts.
1: Well, right. And we know that they're not indestructible, but at the same time, they're a lot more resilient than the human body.
0: None of them have been taken down by gunfire. Correct. In any of the films, they've never been taken down by gunfire. Um, Usually it's like their own weapons used against them. But in the second movie, we see that they have... uh, even more advanced, like, because this predator's able to treat his severed arm by melting down plaster from some lady's bathroom into a paste and he pours some other stuff on it, and he applies that to kind of cauterize his, his stump on his left arm. So there's some interesting uh, first aid that these things use, And we do see as these movies progress, uh, the implementation of different weaponry. Like, you know, we see nets, but then we see, like, the razor nets that kind of twist and pull and shred people. We see the extendable staffs. You know, pretty much the one constant is the, the plasma uh, cannon, that the, the shoulder-mounted plasma cannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, even up until the wolf... When he takes the dead one from Bull, he takes Bull's uh, plasma cannon and he dual wields until they get damaged and he just you know uses it as a shotgun, essentially. So, I don't know. What else have you got about Predators?
1: Well, I think my favorite... Speaking of their weaponry, I think my favorite weapon is their shoulder cannon. Because it's...
0: It's got like a neural link.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it almost has like a mind of its own. It's, you know, they don't have to
0: Yeah, it's attached.
1: their hand. Like, they don't have to fire it in any way. They don't have to touch it
0: to it's fire a, it. It's, it's not like a gun. It's attached to the helmet, which is like, when they put the helmet on, it like kind of like, it's kind of like how Iron Man's suit Okay. Works yeah, that's a good where analogy. there's like a heads up yep. display, but there's it doesn't necessarily need to vocalize. I mean, it does make vocalizations. It kind of sounds like it's purring, or it can mimic the language of whatever it's hunting. We see that through every film. Um, but I just think that the the shoulder
1: cannon is so cool. A because it's hands, you know, it's touch free. But it seems like each shoulder cannon uh, is made specifically for that Predator.
0: Yeah, like, it's customized. We
1: haven't seen any two alike.
0: Right. They all have the same basic design, but they're slightly different. Like, we see the the only ones that are close to being the same are, like, the apprentice ones that you see in Alien vs. Predator that are already in mm-hmm. the, the, the temple. Like, they have to go get them. Right. Like, you have to fight your way to it. But, like, we see different... Um, different uh, Predators using different weapons. Like one of them is more proficient with a spear and the other one's more proficient with those throwing discs. You know, we have like the bladed discs that we see in Predator 2 and then we have like the ones with like the extendable, that almost look like fingers, you know, for lack of a better description, that we see in Alien vs. Predator Requiem, Alien vs. Predator. Um, So each one has its own, you know, like you would see in any... You know, like, any type of, you know, movie where there's multiple weapons, like, you know, this one favors an axe, this one favors short sword, this one favors a bastard sword. You know, there's all kinds of different weaponry that you're going to be proficient with. So, uh, but yeah, these, the shoulder cannon, because they're connected to you, like, they have to be an extension of your personality, I think.
1: Right, I was. It's you know not only like a really cool accessory, but it's functional. The same you. with your mask. Right. Yeah. Like I was we've gonna seen, say that as well. We've
0: seen a lot of uh, different masks. Now, one of the things I did want to touch on before we kind of wrap things up is the Predators have their own. I don't want to say like religion, but they have their own version of death. It's called the Black Warrior, and it's you know like just. It, it's different for each each clan, but the Black Warriors, they're the Yautja interpretation of death. It's like the one warrior you cannot defeat, no matter how hard you try. He's like the undefeated, the ultimate. That's why they call him the Black Warrior. Uh, and, you know, there are different interpretations that you see throughout some of the comics. But um, some of the crossovers you see, because uh, they've, they've fought. I mean, there's like three or four Batman versus Predators. Like, there's a couple where Batman and Robin team up against, you know, two Predators. Um, there's Judge Dredd. There's a couple of those. They're currently working. Uh, I think they're three or four issues into an Alien vs. Predator versus Dredd story. So that's relatively new. Um, there's an Alien versus Predator versus Terminator where the Terminators are making Alien-Terminator hybrids. And, you know, Ellen Ripley's in it, and she teams up with the Predators to go after the the Xenomorph-Terminator hybrids. Like, it, it's crazy shit. Like, it's it's insane, like, but the artwork is just so cool because, you know... Oh, I bet. I remember reading these when I was, like, you know, 13, 14, so I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. You know, of course, there's the video games... You know, Alien vs. Terminator. I mean, um, Alien vs. Predator. There's a ton of those games. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, the, there's even a, a RoboCop versus Terminator game. You know, there's a whole comic series for that. So pretty much anything... Uh, you can find this with Image Comics. Mostly, they do... on uh, Dark Horse, they do a lot of these crossovers. So if you're looking for the comics, that's where to look. Um, but the Dread one is very interesting cuz I I got a chance to look at it like a review of the the last one and basically the Predator shredded and we know how much of a badass Judge Dredd is like that's that's definitely coming down the pipe on it. cuz they're announced they're in talks with Carl Urban to do a Netflix show so he'll be reprising his role from the film which you would like because Lena Headey is the bad guy Oh, is she really? Yes. So uh, we will be covering Judge Dredd at some point, so don't worry. Um, so the Predator goes through and kills a bunch of Judges. And finally, and the, in its final confrontation with Dread, kind of lets Dredd kill it. And Dredd's like, yeah, I'm so great. And the other judge is like, no, this thing was injured. It wanted to die, but it wanted to die at your hands because it feels like that's a worthy death. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that uh, in the comics with some of the older predators, if they go on a hunt and, you know, say they're hunting a xenomorph, and this is from one of the comics that I read, you know, this older uh, grayback, for lack of a better word, went and was hunting the xenomorph, and the xenomorph was just a little too quick for it, like its reflexes weren't quite there anymore, and it had it trapped but instead of killing the xenomorph, he kind of released it and let the thing kill him because it figured that's an honorable death, as opposed to slowly losing his 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 spot on the hierarchy getting replaced by younger, more uh efficient hunters because he can't keep up with them anymore. It would it was better to face a death at a hand of uh this type of prey. Mm-hmm. So You know, definitely if you like the Predator stuff and you really like the mythology, there are hundreds of comics. You know, dozens and dozens and dozens of stories. There's a lot of like one shot stories. Um, There are also
1: a lot of videos on YouTube, (laughs) different channels that tackle the Mm -hmm. mythology and the lore of the Predators. I recommend.
0: I recommend Film Comics Explained. They do a really good job. um, And uh, HNE, they do not just uh, the film comics explained one. uh, It's narrated by a guy named Niat. Uh, Very good. Gets into not just like Predators, but like, you know, all sorts of, you know, Cloverfield monster, the different viruses you'll see from different uh, different films. Like talked about the Crippen virus from. I Am Legend, you know, uh, there was a great video. They they also do the comic adaptations of, you know, stuff like 30 Days of Night, Alien vs. Predator, things like that. So there's a lot of... If you don't have time to read all the comics, check out... You know, these videos are 5 to 10 minutes a piece, but give you a lot of information. And it's, it's well worth uh, checking those guys out on YouTube. So I highly recommend it.
1: So... Going into the new movie, what are you you expecting and what do you hope will happen? Like, what do you hope the movie will accomplish? I
0: hope the movie is as good as I'm hoping it's going to be. I am expecting it to be well written, to have some very interesting characters. Uh, I like the cast. I mean, Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Alfie Allen... Uh, I think Olivia Munn's going to do a good job. And the main guy that's in it, I'm totally blanking on his name. I'm going to have to look it up. But the fact that Shane Black is writing and directing it makes me very happy. Um, I think we're going to see a little more backstory of the Predator on Earth... Uh, and his or their um, Sterling Brown, Sterling K. Brown. That's who I. Oh, was that's who you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. he seems like like the main dude, and he's gonna be one of the other things I really like that I'm excited for. Jake Busey is playing Keys, who is the son of Gary Busey's character from Predator Two. So, like it's like a meta inside thing. Like the actor is playing the son. the The, the son of the actor is playing the son of the character that his dad played. Like it's, it's cool. Um, I'm really expecting to see some humans use some predator technology. I'm, I have a theory. Cause based on some of the, um, some of the trailers i've seen this new like super badass predator doesn't seem to wear any armor so that might go to like what we were talking about the physiology earlier like maybe it's got an improved physiology cuz the yautja are known to do genetic mutations like there's a whole race of mutants like there's some four-armed ones there's some ones that are blue, there are some that are green, like th- there are some that are red, like they're different colors. Uh, so they're known to use genetic uh, modification to make themselves more efficient killers. But my theory is that this one doesn't wear any armor, it just uses like the basest of weapons and can camouflage its skin. Because from some of the trailers, maybe it's just the lighting, but it's definitely different colors each time you see it. So, how about you? What are you thinking now that you've seen all of the Predator films? With the exception, and I can't recommend this highly enough. It's a YouTube video. It's a fan-made film called Predator Dark Ages. It's about 27 minutes long, and it takes place during the Crusades. It's fucking awesome.
1: I think that, so from what I know of the story is this kid played by that Tremblay boy who's like the it kid right now, I think it's like Josh or something, Uh, triggers something that called Jacob, yeah, Jacob Tremblay, Um, triggers something that calls the Predators back to Earth.
0: I think that's tricky editing.
1: Okay. Because that This is just what I'm gathering so far. From, I think that's for, Shane
0: Black purposely okay. trying to throw people off. Okay.
1: I think what we're going to see is a good story, and I think what, we're, uh, w- what I'm hoping to see is the next incarnation of the Predator. I want to see a more evolved form of the Predator, be it evolved to the point, like you said, to not need armor anymore, or... Or evolved to have thinner, more streamlined, um, more, uh, shoot, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, just better. Efficiency? E- yes, more efficient armor. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, I, I, and I hope we're going to see a little more backstory of the Predators themselves. A little more of that you know mythology and you know just some badass fight scenes.
0: I think we're going to see a lot of that.
1: I'm and so from what I've seen um I'm I'm hoping that we see a lot of the science behind the predators as well. And I think we're going to see that in some of the uh um like stills that have been going around. Uh, we, we see like Olivia Munn's character And like protective gear. Mm -hmm. Like she and in like, it almost looks like a clean lab. So, um, you know, it's all white and it looks like she's working with specimens or whatnot. So I'm very eager to see if they're going to start tackling the science of the predators as well, because that's something (laughs) we have not seen yet.
0: No, I think um, Sterling K. Brown's character is, integral in cuz we see him talking to Olivia Munn like oh yeah yeah we know all this and we know that like
1: I think he's integral in getting this ragtag team of whatever together to
0: Well those are they're already like the they they were part of a different group. Sterling K Brown was part of a different group. Like it's going to be a combination I think of predators and the first predator where like instead of like being this team It's like, oh, we just happened to put these guys together. You know, but I think you're right. I think he's going to, like, kind of orchestrate that. But so I think that's going to pretty much wrap up the Predator discussion. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to announce our battle. And what we've got planned for next week, because next week, uh, next week's gonna be pretty interesting. So uh, we will like I said, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Do you love a scary story? Do you love to dance? The big, scary monster odds in midnight.
1: Dominic Pace star
0: of Sci-Fi Channels Megalodon and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday's podcast.
1: Hello again everyone. It's Mr. Most Days Off from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. Here with a
0: special message for you from Richie the Wizkid. You know, a town without Best Darn Diddly is a little like the mule with the spinning wheel. No one knows how he got it and danged if he knows how to use it. The name's Wizkid, Richie the Wizkid, and I come before you good fans of Springfield with probably the greatest podcast Ah, uh, it's not for you. It's more of a Shelbyville podcast.
1: Now you wait here
0: just a minute. We're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville. You tell us where to listen to Best Darn Diddly and we'll listen. I'll tell you exactly where you can listen to it. You can catch the Best Darn Diddly Review Show each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. So hop on the
1: monorail and join us on this journey through the Simpsons series. Ray in the house. Patrick Ray Hall In the motherfucking house Patrick Ray Hall In the motherfucking house Patrick Ray Hall In the motherfucking house Patrick Ray
0: Hall In the motherfucking house Aww oh, yeah And we, we are back I hope you enjoyed that uh, Predator talk Because uh, we worked really box, hard on that, gonna that gonna one So back. So
1: <clears throat> I feel based, so enlightened
0: Well, like I feel in,
1: like I'm part of a club now.
0: Well, yeah, you know, it's, I watched
1: Predator and I liked it.
0: and you know, I think a lot of people need to give it a chance. I know there are some folks in our circle that are saving it for marriage.
1: Which is fully acceptable Which is and understandable. Acceptable, yeah. and I, I Apparently I did as well.
0: Yeah, you saved it <laughs> well into marriage. Happy almost, anniversary. I yeah, watched Predator with you. I would say almost five years. <laughs> um, but uh, because we, we, I want to preface this by saying we are going to have some changes to the show. We're going to be having our very own battle theme.
1: What? Yes.
0: I don't want to say anything more, but uh, we have some dedicated folks working on a theme for us for our battle. So I don't want to ruin that. I don't want to start a new thing. I just want to kind of get into we're going to do a battle.
1: There's going to be a song.
0: It'll be better than that one. So, that one was pretty good, though. <clears throat> it, it was straight to the point. Uh, you knew what you were getting there. Uh, speaking of songs, I had the Canadian National Anthem stuck in my head. Why? I don't know why. Like, is
1: it the Ralph Wiggum version? No,
0: it's like the oh, Canadian Canada. National Anthem. Um, so, we have a battle this week, and it is a super crossover. Um. It is you, epic. You came up it with it. I came epic. up with the location. So, yeah. But you came was, up well, with the me, crossover. This
1: was, this was kind of a team effort. So, oh. the battle this week hold on to your britches, boys and girls, because they're about to get blown off. We have Predator versus Alien versus Terminator versus Batman versus Judge Dredd in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. <laughs>
0: Yes, the battle takes place in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory.
1: Those poor Oompa Loompas won't even know what hit them.
0: Yeah, think about the songs they're going to have to sing for that.
1: (laughs) If they're still alive.
0: Oh, I'm sure there'll be at least a couple of them. So that's the battle. Uh, So we tried to include pretty much... Oompa
1: Loompa, we don't get paid enough for
0: this shit. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. Um. <clears throat> <laughs> so that's our battle. Takes place, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. So we'll put that up. Yeah, uh, cast
1: your votes on Facebook. I'm sure it'll be up on the Twitters.
0: It will be up on the Twitters. Um, so,
1: uh, yeah, let us know. Who do you think would win? Now, we're talking Soul Survivor.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah there can
1: only be one.
0: There can only be one. Um, So, we do have our uh, typical end-of-the-day things, so I think I should probably get into my science fact. From the blackness of space, timeless from the void, you terrified to learn of Patsy's science facts. So so for this week, um, I've got an interesting one, and it again involves sharks, but uh, not in the way you would think. So I recently watched a uh, short little snippet from uh, Shark Week about uh, these two orcas that were nicknamed Port and Starboard because of uh, their deformity of their dorsal fins now what you see in when whales are in captivity is their dorsal fin will instead of standing up straight kind of flops over to the side uh, it's uh, it happens in the wild very rarely um, it's generally a sign of like trauma or, or extreme stress and it's even more rare to have two whales uh, or in this case, they're dolphins but two killer whales um, in the same pod. Now these two kind of hunted together and the reason they were called port and starboard is one of their fins tilted to the left, the other to the right so people were super clever with the nautical terms and when when these two orcas showed up Every area that they've showed up in, the great white population diminishes. Within like a week, there are no more great whites. And the reason is these two orcas, they're kind of, they've been compared to Hannibal Lecter because they will kill great whites and only eat their liver. They kill juvenile great whites between you know 13 to 16 feet. So these th- these are good sized animals. Like great white sharks are nothing to sneeze at. But they uh the theory is that they get put into uh tonic immobility, which is a term used for uh when a shark gets flipped upside down, it essentially goes comatose, it can't move. And so the whales will just hold them there. Until they drown, because if a shark doesn't constantly move, it dies. So they'll induce tonic immobility, eat the liver, and that's it. And then they find these sharks washed up on shore. Do it's they
1: eat the livers with some fava beans on a nice Chianti?
0: Probably not. But like I said to you the other day, the other day,
1: the other day, yeah.
0: With friends like these, who needs anemones. <laughs> <laughs> That's some ocean puns. That's free comedy for you. Uh, So, yeah, that's my science fact for the day that, you know, even though great whites are considered apex predators, uh, they still have a natural predator themselves. Like, generally, these two, uh, you know, assassins of the sea will stay away from each other. But if an orca wants to, an orca's going to kill a shark. Like, they're smarter, they're not as streamlined. They're bigger. They're stronger.
1: I guess you could call them killer whales. Oh, but I'm ching. They're
0: technically dolphins, but they do a killer whale impression. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all day. So uh, that's my science fact. And uh, Ashes, uh, you've got a little something from the Von Nightmare Vineyards. I We're going to
1: need a drink after that one.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> with Ashes for nightmare.
1: So I'm going to keep this short and sweet today. I'm actually going to talk about a wine that I have spoken about before. It is a seasonal wine, and it's back. Oh, my God, you guys. Apothic Inferno is back. I am so excited. It was released on September 1st. In case you forgot, or this is your first time hearing of Apothic Inferno. Um, So it's from the Apothic Vineyards out in California, which are my favorite. And the Inferno is different because not only is it a red blend, but it's a red blend that is aged in whiskey barrels. So, it is described as a wine with a whiskey soul. This small batch red wine has been aged for 60 days in whiskey barrels. Red and dark fruit flavors combine with layers of maple and spice, giving way to a long, clean finish. Now, if you are... A fan of red wine and you are a fan of whiskey like myself you are going to love this wine it has that nice smooth full-bodied flavor of a nice like dry red blend but it's been aged in whiskey barrels so it has that spice and that bite of whiskey so when you first like take a sip you you taste the red wine But it leaves you with that nice whiskey aftertaste. It is so pleasant and just really nice. And with the weather getting cooler, the weather's supposed to be getting cooler. I think fall is coming. Eventually. Uh, You wouldn't be able to tell with the 90-degree temperatures up here in New England. But anyways... With the temperature supposed to be getting cooler, um, it's a really nice fall wine. It's a nice wine to sip, uh, you know, outside on a patio. you got your hoodie and, you know, your sweatpants and you're just like super cozy. And yeah, this stuff is good stuff. So Apothic Inferno, look it up.
0: Yeah, I like it, too. Like, it's, it's really good. It's got a nice bite of the, uh, the whiskey barrel flavor in it. Uh, I like it. So, <clears throat> next week, we are going to be delving into the world of DC characters. And we are going to be discussing uh, one of the Robins. We are going to be discussing Tim Drake. And we're going to have a very special guest. Actually, I believe we're going to have two guests on uh, from the uh, <clears throat> the YouTubes, uh, a very uh, very popular group on YouTube. Uh, you may know them as JWin J A W I I N. If you're unfamiliar, that's their YouTube channel. Definitely check them out. Uh, Jason Inman and Ashley V. Rob- Robinson uh they have a new project that they are working on and uh we're going to help them promote that and uh they're going to come on they want to talk about uh Tim Drake as Robin um I definitely recommend checking out uh their their YouTube channel give them a follow on Twitter as well um I particularly enjoy Ashley's uh red shirt diaries uh which is uh if you're a Star Trek fan, you'll enjoy these quite a bit. They're very funny short little skits uh, they're very well produced uh, also there's a lot a lot a lot of d c content uh, on the on their page so definitely check it out obviously there's a lot of Marvel stuff it's mostly comic related but there's some also you know sci-fi geekery as well on there so do yourself a favor check them out. And then uh, they're going to join us for the Tim Drake episode next week. So we're very much looking forward to that crossover. That's going to be a good time. Mm. Especially because i got to learn a lot more about Tim Drake. Because I don't know as much about him as I would like. I do know that he was Robin when Batman got his back broken. So there's that. But i got to kind of expand on what's going on with, with him <laughs> there. But hopefully she'll be able to carry the conversation because apparently it's one of her favorite characters.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
0: And it'll give us a chance to learn a little more about Robin, you know, because there have been quite a few of them and, you know, not everybody knows that. So that'll uh, give us a chance to help educate folks as well as educate ourselves. And that's part of what we do. So. So. I think with that being said, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the show this week, and we will see see you you next Thursday. Thursday.